Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Welcome once again to our Christian Fellowship Community Forum. This is session number 10. And now let me introduce Gerard Hempstead, managing partner in St. Louis. Uh, Gerard was born in St. Louis and raised there and joined Northwestern Mutual in 1995 at the age of 24 after spending a couple of years as a CPA with a big four accounting firm. Uh, and oh, probably back then it might have been even been more accounting firms. But over a 16 year production career, Gerard has written over 2,200 lives, 7 million of premium. Uh, he qualified for MDRT every year with three quarter of the table qualifications, one top of the table. Uh, you've got just a ton of awards, two master achievement awards, the number one producer in the entire company calendar in 20 year 10 with 253 lives, uh, 1.7 million of premium. Uh, so let's just say Gerard has had tremendous impact uh, on a lot of lives. And I think in his uh, Christian walk too. And you're going to hear uh, about that. And I think today he's going to have even more impact on a lot of us. Uh, I'll just uh, also remind everyone that Gerard is married to Jen. They have three children, one daughter-in-law. Uh, and I think with that, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Our topic is transformation. And we're not going to go into a lot of questions for Gerard. We're basically going to hand it to him. Uh, and he's going to really talk about his amazing Christian walk. And I think you're all going to just uh, really appreciate what, what Gerard has to say. So I'm going to get off of the line here and hand it right over to you, Gerard. All right. Well, thank you, Ron. I appreciate that. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, as Ron said, my name is Gerard Hempstead, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the managing partner, uh, one of two managing partners of Northwestern Mutual here in St. Louis. And uh, 16 year production career and it'll be 11 years as a managing partner coming up this November 1st. So knocking on the door. Um, as you'll hear, I am also a work in progress. I am a sinner. I am a lover of Christ. I am a friend, a father, a husband, and soon to be a grandfather coming up in January. So uh, I am just honored and privileged to uh, to share this message with you today. And, and I'm going to share the good, the bad and the ugly uh, on my continued journey to transform into the best version of myself and, and attempt to become a little bit more Christ like every day. That being said, I'd like us to uh, ask all, all of you to bow your heads for a second so we can start this thing off the right way with a prayer. Kind God, we thank you for this new day full of promise and purpose, a true gift from your hands. We are ready to face whatever this day brings, confident of your presence and power at work in our lives. We feel that presence now. Help us to live for you today, God, and remind us of what we can be for you and for others. Open our eyes to the wonders this new day brings. Help us to see the many opportunities to serve you by helping others. We commend this new day into your hands and ask you to bless it with love and life. Especially bless us and all those who will touch our lives in the hours that lie ahead. 
We are ready, God. Let us move into this brand new day together and transform it into something beautiful for you and for others. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right. So uh, thank you again for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I'm going to start from the beginning. I was born uh, in November 10th, soon to be 52 years ago in St. Louis to two loving conservative Catholic parents, Jerry and Kathy Hempstead. Uh, My dad was an attorney, a litigator, and his elevator speech was, I help people come up with creative solutions to their legal problems. And if that doesn't work, we go to court. (laughs) And my mom was a stay-at-home entrepreneur. Uh, Well, she was a stay-at-home mom for the most part, but also a serial entrepreneur. Uh, My mom and dad just set an absolutely wonderful example for my, my older sister, Helen, my younger brother, Chris, and myself, uh, both my sister and my brother are in the business uh, Northwestern Mutual today as well. Um, but my mom and dad were married for almost 50 years before my mom passed uh, in 2017. And my dad um, uh, passed in April of last year, but, but he was truly a man for others. In fact, that prayer that I opened with today was the prayer that was on the program at his funeral and uh, him and my stepmom, he got remarried uh, a couple of years after my mom died and him and my stepmom actually say that, said that every day together. Pretty cool. So I was baptized and grew up Catholic. I uh, still am Catholic today. And as you just heard, I I had a really high bar uh, of an example that my parents set. I graduated from St. Richard's Catholic grade school, and then I went on to uh, high school at a place called St. Louis University High School, which is a an all-male, 1,000-person uh, Jesuit high school. A little fun fact, in case you're ever at a trivia event, there's actually been four Northwestern Mutual managing partners uh, that graduated from this little 1,000-person all-boys school in St. Louis. So pretty cool. There must be something in the water out there. But I was blessed uh, to be an honor student and a four-year varsity letterman in ice hockey. I ran a successful lawn business. I was a bag boy. Uh, I had a second job as a bag boy at the uh, local grocery store. Now that'd be known as a courtesy clerk, I think. And I had a third job, actually, as a lifeguard. And the reason was while we grew up, you know, middle class or even upper middle class, uh, my mom and dad really just provided my brother and sister and I the basics. And uh, we were taught at a young age, if we wanted anything more than that, you know, we had to get to work. And uh, I obviously did not like that at the time. But man, what a great lesson that that's turned out to be in our lives. Um, By all outward appearances, Ladies and gentlemen, I I had an ideal life growing up, and that was true. But, um, you know, as Ron alluded to, what was also true is I was kind of living a little bit of a double life because there was just a lot of sin uh, and, and, and in my life, I'm ashamed to say. And I talked myself into and out of a lot of trouble at that point in my life. And I'll spare the gory details for today. We just, we don't have, that would take days and hours for me to list them all. But uh, (laughs) I mean, a lot of trouble and a lot of sin. And let's just say I was doing my best to make God 
and my parents proud of me. Not. Well, this pattern continued at uh, Indiana University. I was a Hoosier for four years. Go Hoosiers. And pretty much throughout my college career, uh, heavy drinking, smoking, partying, girls. It was the fraternity lifestyle. And quite frankly, uh, the wilder, the better on the one hand. And on the other hand, somehow I managed to keep good grades. Uh, studying accounting. I, I had a job and I was actually a regular Sunday mass attendee. So again, living that double life, which is actually really hard to do. It's really stressful, but thanks be to God, despite my best efforts at that time in my life, uh, nobody died, uh, at least not physically. In January of 1992, I was home on winter break from college my junior year. And with only a, a few precious days left on that uh, junior, or, you know, on that break before I went back my junior year, my dad invited me to join him on a retreat at a local Jesuit retreat house. Now, now I had been on a retreat in high school. But at that time in my life, you know, the thought of going, spending the last few days of my winter break with religious grown men in silence over an entire weekend uh, with no booze and with no girls, that didn't sound like a ton of fun at all. You know, I was 21 years old. I was totally out of control. But of course, I was acting like I had the world by the tail, right? And that everything was great, that double life. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, I was scared to death. And I was experiencing massive amounts of shame and guilt uh, because of the way I was living my life. And I really didn't know where to turn. You know, um, the bar was set really, really high for me and I was failing, failing all over the place. Um, and as a result, I fell prey to the deceiver, the whisperer of lies. And at that time in my life, I believed the lies that he was telling me. Those lies included Gerard you are unlovable. You're, you're junk. You're damaged goods. You're a lost cause. Worse, you're unforgivable. And you're going to go to hell for sure. So why even bother? And of course, when I believe that at the time in my life, I mean, that just caused me to go really even further downward into this spiral. But my dad had the courage to uh, and the foresight to invite me on that retreat. Like he, he invited me to come and see just like we do at the Christian fellowship community and you all do uh, in your circles to come and see. And you know what, by the grace of God, cause that's all that it could have been. I said, yes. And going on that retreat, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I feel literally saved my life 
and was definitely the start of a major turning point for me. Uh, I want to point these pictures out real quickly. Uh, the picture on the left is a picture of my dad and I at the retreat house. And he has a little picture of St. Ignatius Loyola, a little statue there. Um, you know, that was his 50th, 5-0, 50th retreat in a row. And that was my 29th. And that's actually the last, the last picture um, I have with my dad, you know, while he was alive. So the middle picture is a bench. I guess if you go on 50 retreats at this place, they give you a, a memorial bench. And, um, uh, and on the sign, it says, Jerry Hempstead, truly a man for others. 50 retreats. And on the right-hand side, the last year was the first year I was going to actually go on the retreat without my dad. And so I asked my son, who was a senior in, high, in college at the time, to join me. And he said yes. And so that's a picture of him and I uh, masked up on the uh, bench with my dad. Pretty cool. So, whoops, why, why am I sharing um, all these shameful and embarrassing stories with you? Uh, I, I've been fortunate to speak on the main platform at Northwestern Mutual two or three times and even at Million Dollar Roundtable. And I can honestly say, like preparing for this and actually the thought of giving this was more terrifying than that. Um, and why am I doing it is because I feel like that there, there may be some people out there that, that uh, experienced the same things I did. Right. That they're they're living in a way that, uh, you know, they don't like they're going down the wrong path uh, or maybe they have children or grandchildren that they're really worried about because they think they're going down a destructive path and perhaps stuck in habitual sin and and don't know where to turn or, or that sense of hopelessness and unlovability. Um, so my message today, ladies and gentlemen, is one of encouragement. And if you or a loved one are on that path, or if you were on that path, and as a result, you uh, are experiencing tremendous amounts of shame and guilt like I did, I'm here to tell you there is hope, hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, listen, I stand at the door and knock. And for me, he never stopped knocking. But he says, if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to their house and eat with them. And they will eat with me. And while that retreat helped me see God does love me, God does forgive me, and I am his son in whom he is well pleased. My transformation, ladies and gentlemen, from desperation to joy did not happen overnight. In fact, in January of 1995, three short years later, I was 24 years old now at that time. I am 24 at that time. And I'm going on my fourth silent retreat in a row. 
Uh, I'm up to 30 now, by the way, praise God. I need that annual dose for me. But at that time, I was still just absolutely racked with uh, guilt from my sinful past. And I was having just a tough time forgiving myself. And the deceiver was just there whispering all the time, kept telling me, you aren't forgiven. You are not a beloved child of God. You are an imposter. If only people knew what you've done. I know what you've done. You know what you've done. God can only forgive you so many times before he says, forget it. That was what I heard in my mind from the deceiver. They're, they're all lies, of course. But again, I believe them at that time in my life. And no matter how hard I worked, no matter what I was able to accomplish, uh, personally or professionally, I just couldn't shake it, right? And there was this huge hole in my heart. And any feeling of satisfaction or joy uh, was fleeting. So I actually drew this picture on that retreat. And I just want you to take a look at it for a second. As you can see, the tremendous weight of my sins, my shame, and my guilt was literally crushing me. And the priest who was leading the retreat at that time, he challenged us to think about our foundation. Everything that made us who we were up to that point and write it down. And I knew I had a good foundation. Those are the things listed inside the bricks at my feet, my family, my friends, my values, my Catholic faith, Jesus Christ, etc. But I felt so overwhelmed and so covered up, really just covered up by my sinfulness and shame that at that time in my life, I couldn't see or feel God's warm, saving light in my life, much less let it in. And as you can see, I etched this simple little prayer on the drawing, really out of extreme desperation. Dear God, please, please give me the strength and the courage to lift off the burden of my sins. Amen. Simple, but not easy. And, and I knew, ladies and gentlemen, that I, I could not be the person that I really wanted to be or the person that God created me to be until I asked God for forgiveness. And as importantly, forgave myself, right? And just began to love myself again. And I realized that that was the absolute only way that I could truly love other people in my life instead of using them as a means to an end and continuing to live the empty life that I was living by chasing all the superficial things that I thought were going to give me happiness and joy and make me whole again. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 reminds us, let us lay aside every encumbrance of sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies ahead. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who inspires and perfects our faith. Once I realized this, I was actually able to kind of just like, just start standing up, right? Imagine that picture and kind of start standing up little by little and and start shedding that burden and let it slide off my back and just start running the race that, that God with God at my side uh, and lifting off that tremendous burden of shame and guilt and sin that I'd been carrying around for years, years, way too long. And for me, it was not, unfortunately, this instantaneous bolt of lightning and then, bam, I'm fine. But bit by bit, uh, my life started to change and transform for the better. Around that time, uh, I married, met and married a beautiful young lady named Jen that God placed in my life. It'll be 27 years this December. Praise God. And as Ron said, we were blessed with three amazing kids. And uh, I'll be a 52-year-old grandpa in January. So lots of blessings happening at the Hempstead household. And I can honestly say, ladies and gentlemen, that I'm, I'm happier now and healthier now mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually than, than I've ever been in my adult life. Thanks be to God. So, Ron, I'll pause for you there uh, so you can introduce the uh, small group reflection questions. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I just want to thank you, Gerard, for uh, just opening up to a group of people, many of whom you don't even know. But I think we all feel connected to you, the more so uh, for your having shared it. Uh, you you reminded me of Romans 5, 8. Uh, while we were still sinners, Christ yet died for us. And, uh, you know, he knows. He knows us from the very beginning. And, you know, he knows what we're going to become. And so we have to remember that even, I think, and you demonstrate this, you know, even while you're on this journey, even if you don't know where you're going to be at the end of your race, the Lord knows what that looks Mm -hmm. like. And that's a great encouragement because, because, uh, you know, he already sees and you're going to move in that direction as we all are. Uh, and it's just, just wonderful. So thank you so much. And what we're going to do now is we're going to go into our breakout rooms uh, and we have the questions that are, that are up there. Thank you, Gerard, for doing that. Uh, really some three things to think about. Is there a heavy burden of sin, shame or guilt in your life right now that that uh, is that you would like to share? Or what is blocking you from experiencing God's forgiveness and joy and abundance and radiance that needs to be lifted off? And then finally, what are you going to do about it? Knowing God's grace on the the fact that unlimited mercy is available, you know, kind of what is the next step? So those are the three questions to a lot to maybe to unpack and allow us to, uh, you know, do some introspection for ourselves. And I'm going to ask uh, Brittany right now to put us into our breakout rooms to talk about it. That was awesome. I, you know, I think our group could have kept going for another 20 minutes because I think Gerard, what, what your testimony did 
was really cause us all to open up. Uh, we had a lot of stories of trials and tribulations in our group, but, but there was a kind of theme of how turning to the Lord really strengthened and enabled uh, uh, men and women who are sinful to uh, really relying on the power of the Holy Spirit in us to turn from those sins and to change our lives. So uh, just just a great, uh, great breakout session that we had. And, and one person in the group also highlighted just the notion of um, switching it around instead of our always praying for what we want. Uh, the comment was made, you know, what praying to the Lord, what is it that you want in our lives for us? Or what is your agenda that I can help you with? And just turning that around, I thought was very powerful in, in our group. Uh, and really that creates such a closeness with God. Uh, just fantastic. So, Gerard, what did you hear in, in your group? Yeah, thanks, Ron. Our, our group discussion was absolutely amazing. It was uh, it was raw. It was vulnerable. It was uh, emotional. Uh, we had a lot of different you know, people from different religions to, on there to share their experience. And so thank you all for sharing your stories. Uh, you know, we're not alone on this journey. And I think that's something we all need to remember to reach out to groups like this for sure, because that's one of the deceiver's biggest tools, right? He tries to make us feel like we're the only one and we're all by ourselves and we're just not. So, uh, it was awesome. Terrific. So, so Gerard, uh, as we're moving toward the end of this, we still have a little time. Is there a message that, that you would like to share with the group, uh, today as we close it out? Yeah, thanks, Ron. Um, I, I do have a final message I'd love to share. And uh, about 12 years ago, uh, on another uh, Catholic retreat, I was on this. This time we could actually talk. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, you know, it's one of those retreats where people can send in a letter and tell you like what they think of you while you're alive instead of waiting to say it at a eulogy, which by the way, if, if you do have something to say to somebody, I encourage you and challenge you to, to let people know what you think of them now, uh, because someday it'll be too late. Right. So, um, anyway, I was at this retreat and I'm reading some of these letters and I, I got this one letter that was anonymous and I wanted to share it with you today. This is what the letter said. It's Jesus that we seek when we dream of happiness. He is waiting for us when nothing else satisfies us. He is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provokes us with that thirst for fullness that will just not let us settle for compromise. It is he who urges us to shed those masks of a false life. It is he who reads in our hearts our most genuine choices, the choices and the dreams that others try to stifle. It is Jesus who stirs in us the desire to do something great with our lives, the will to follow an ideal, the refusal to allow ourselves to be grounded down by mediocrity and the courage to commit ourselves humbly and patiently to approving ourselves and society and making the world more human 
and more fraternal. That was actually written by uh, Pope John Paul II, who is now St. John Paul, whose feast day is tomorrow, by the way. Um, the, the good news, brothers and sisters, is that God loves us and he has an amazing plan for our lives. The problem is that sin gets in the way and screws it up. Uh, however, he died for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. He loved us so much. He died for us and he's already paid the price. He invites us to reorient ourselves towards him, reorient our lives to ask for forgiveness and to turn back to him. It's never too late. With the grace of God and the help of others, brothers and sisters, I have over the last 35 years, it's a, I'm a slow learner, <laughs> 35 years, you know, I've been able to confess my sins and continue to do that regularly because I fail every day. But uh, I ask for God's forgiveness. And, and over time, I've been able to forgive myself. Uh, and with his grace, I've just been able to lay my sins, my shame, my guilt, at the foot of the cross. And this is one of my favorite pictures because his eyes never leave you no matter where you go. And giving it all to him, I now know is what he wants. He wants it all, not just the good. He wants it all. Uh, and, and he wants it all so we can go fulfill the mission that he has for us on earth. So transformation in Christ, brothers and sisters, is, you know, it takes a lot of time, uh, a lot of soul searching. And I'm happy to say that with the support of groups like this, uh, I, I, I do have a new life in Christ. And I'm transforming on my journey to become more like him one day at a time, one step at a time. So I, I wish I could stand up here and tell you guys that it's all a bowl of cherries and rainbows and unicorns and everything else. And it's perfect all the time, <laughs> but I can't, you know, cause it's not right. And it's a journey every single day. And the, the, the deceiver is out there every day, right? We heard that in one of our breakout sessions that uh, one of the people said he's out there every day, just, just looking for that chink in our armor of faith. Uh, but it's the great unfolding. It's the great bubbling up and every single day. It can be tough out there. And especially when we let our lives shine in Christ, the brighter we let that light shine, the tougher it can be and the more the attacks come. So God's infinite love and mercy, though, make all things possible. That's what I believe. And uh, that's my story, ladies and gentlemen. That's the real me. A work in progress is trying to get a little better every day and with God's grace, hopefully becoming more like him each and every day. So thank you very much. Wow. So that that it's so interesting because transformation, even though it's a noun, you've really described it as a verb. It's continuously happening in your life, Gerard, and all of our lives all the time. So uh, great, great message. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. 
The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual.